Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. just warming up where you don't need a wetsuit. It's like, what is going on here? But the only thing I really enjoy about cold weather is a fire. I mean, when, whenever it first chills off and you kind of riding down 31 and you smell that hickory and that oak in the air and you see a little bit of the, you know, the smoke up coming from homes and uh, there's just, I don't know, uh, honeysuckle and jasmine does the same thing to me. I just get the the willies, you know, when I, when I smell it, it does something to me. That's probably the only thing I really like about cold weather is a fire. And uh, have you ever noticed about fire that the minute you build one, wherever you are, people immediately gravitate toward it. They will walk over to it. I mean, even if it's the summertime, you build a fire, you put it your fire pit in the back of your house, you have some friends over. It doesn't matter if it's 95 degrees. People will walk over to it, stick their hands out, you know. Oh, it's getting a little warm. Let me turn around, you know. And, uh, and you're always attracted to a fire. And, and then when you walk off, people can tell you've been near a fire, right? Because they can smell it on you. They can tell you've been near it. Unless you have one of these fake fires nowadays they, they give you. Have you seen those? You've seen it? Yeah, I mean, one with, without any wood, without anything that, uh, where you can be with it and not even know you've been around it, basically. I just Googled out, just for the heck of it, I said, I'm going to Google out fake fires and see what I get. And, and i got to tell you, look at this fire. You see this one? That fire is called the Aquion Fireplace. It uses the hydrogen out of water to ignite. So all you do is put water in it, and a flame comes up. And this fake fire can be yours for $50,000. That's right. So I want you to run out and get one. Now, there's another one for you men especially. They make a special multimedia fireplace. There you go. Now, this fireplace, yeah, this fireplace has an LCD television, a Bose sound system, and a DVD player and Internet connectivity right there with the fake fire. That's fake wood, fake fire, fake everything. And you can have, this is, this is getting down into... Uh, you know, the discount area, you can have this for $31,500 in your house. Uh, there's another one called the Swarovski Crystal Fireplace. That's all real crystal in there, along with the fake fire. And, uh, you know, you can have that one for $20,000. Needless to say, there are, there's a lot of effort that goes into creating the feeling of having a fire. But that's an awful lot of expense and creativity to not have the real thing. A lot of work. The 18th century evangelist George Whitfield said, said this. He said, what is a Christian without a holy warmth? What are we if we don't have a holy warmth about us? Uh, we've been in a series that, as you can see from the bumper video, it's called Holy Who, and we're looking at the different symbols uh, of the Holy Spirit. We've looked at water, we've 
looked at wind. Today we're going to look at fire. <coughs> Excuse me. And then next week uh, we'll look at the dove. Uh, another Puritan prayer or, or a Puritan prayer that I read uh, during this research really touched my heart. And this was one of the things they called out to God for back in the 1700s. Oh, that I could be a flame of fire in thy service, always burning out in one continual blaze. Wow, where's the warmth of God's people? If you go back and do a survey through the scriptures in the Old Testament, fire shows up quite often. I bet some of you guys could probably tell me some of the spots that that you see fire, uh, like Moses in the burning bush. Remember that over in uh, Exodus? Whenever the children of Israel were led out of Egypt, there was a cloud by day, and then there was a what? A fire by night that led them. It's like God likes to use fire as a part of his character, a part of who he is. Uh, Moses was having a hard time with some of his leaders and people, and uh, God said, uh, send them outside here, meet me here, and fire came down, and I'll let you read about the rest of the story. <laughs> uh, Solomon finished building the temple, and they put the offering on the altar, and what happened? Fire came down and consumed that offering. And over in Matthew 3, 11 through 12, John the Baptist is preaching in the wilderness, and people are coming and being baptized for repentance, and he says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork, you know, that's the wheat. They, take a, they would take like a rake, a pitchfork, and the wheat would be laying on the floor, and they would take it and throw it up in the air, and then the wind would blow the husk off the wheat, and that's the way they would winnow the wheat. And so his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Fire. The Holy Spirit would come, the promise was, with Jesus, and we would be baptized with fire. Fire. Do you have the fire today? I mean, is there a fire burning in your heart right now through the Holy Spirit? Over in the book of Acts, which we'll go back. We were there last week. We'll be there today. It's just a couple of verses over in Acts 2. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn over there, Acts 2, or verses uh, maybe 1 through 4. We'll just read that section to put it in context. The disciples, about 120 followers of Jesus, have gathered together during the festival of Pentecost, which is uh, kind of the harvest festival uh, the, the barley harvest was dedicated to God is ending and the wheat harvest is beginning and it's a celebration of the harvest and what a time for God to send this experience to say and to declare to the world that there's a new harvest about to happen and with the Holy Spirit comes a harvest as well and so the disciples are gathered in that upper room along with a, a, quite a few followers and they're gathered together. Jesus told them to go there and wait, didn't he? He said, go and wait. And so in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, we read, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Father, we pray your blessing on your word this morning. We pray for holy fire. We pray you would grip our hearts this morning. Jesus, we love you and we want the fire more so in our lives. We pray you stoke the coals that may be a little bit, uh, maybe not glowing quite like they used to be. Fill us afresh and anew with your presence. Remind us, Jesus, of your wonderful love for us and for this world. And come and ignite the flame in us. Breathe life on your word this morning, God. Help us with this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You have a fill-in in your handout if you want to track along with me. There's three blanks there. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, while you're you know, pulling uh, the fill-in out there, let's just say that the disciples have gathered in this upper room, this group of people, 120 or so, uh, because Jesus basically, and I thought about this a few days ago, Jesus basically sent his disciples to their room. I mean, you think about it. He's been with them for three and a half years. Now, how would you like to walk one-on-one with Jesus for three and a half years? Do you think you would get it? Huh? But Jesus gets at the end of that three and a half years, he's, he's raised from the dead. He's spent all these days, 40 days with them, you know, talking and and preaching and preparing them. And at the end of it, as we see in Acts 1, they still don't get it because they're like, Jesus, is this when you're going to set up your kingdom now? Are you going to come now? Like, are we going to get to rule and reign right now? Are you going to kick the Romans out and establish your kingdom? And I can just see Jesus, oy vey. You know, it's like, ah. You know, three and a half years, Father, with these people. What in the world? You know, it hasn't done any good. I've got to get some backup. I've got to get some help. So you guys go to your room. Go to your room and don't come out until the Holy Spirit has come. Now, that's Tim's take. I'm not, I'm not saying that's what the scripture is saying. But that's the picture I got. You know, was, you know, to do what I've called you to do, you're going to need help. And just as John prepared for me to come and saying that, you know, I would come and I would baptize you, but you would also need the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life to do and to be what I called you to be. So go to your room till you get it. Don't start out on the mission until this happens to you. And he knew them very well. I mean, think about this. This is only 50 days out of Peter denying Jesus three times. A little over a month. A little over a month out of that. Same guys. Same guy. I mean, this is only 50 days out of Thomas going, I'm not going to believe it unless you show me the holes, you know, in the hands, in the side. 50 days out of Peter getting so mad he cut the soldier's ears off. And it would be just a short period of time before Peter would be preaching to a Roman soldier and the Holy Spirit would come as he preached to Cornelius and his family. What a change that the Holy Spirit brought to these followers of Christ. I mean, Peter's only 50 days or more out of saying dumb things. I mean, Peter was always saying dumb things. Remember... I mean, at the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, he's standing there and he doesn't know what to say. So he says, hey, let's build three tents and camp out for a while. I mean, this is the same guy that in just a few moments is going to preach a sermon where 3,000 people are going to come to know Jesus. What a change between 50 days earlier 
And now, with the fire of the Holy Spirit, what a difference the fire makes. Think about Moses and that burning bush situation. If you know anything of Moses' life, you know that for the first 40 years of his life, he thought he was a somebody, right? Raised in Pharaoh's house, very special, doted on the whole time. And for the, so for the first 40 years of his life, I'm a big wig, you know, I'm in Pharaoh's house, I'm somebody, until what happens? He sees somebody beating up on one of his fellow Jewish brothers, and, and so he jumps in and kills the guy that's beating up on his Jewish brother. And then for the next 40 years, what is Moses? He's a nobody. First 40 years, he thinks he's a somebody. The next 40 years, he thinks he's a nobody because God puts him on the backside of the desert. But then he sees the fire. He comes across the fire. And for the last 40 years of his life, God takes a nobody and turns him into a somebody. The difference a fire can make, the difference the fire of God can make in our lives. Um, did I even tell you what the first one? I got so ahead of myself. The first fill-in is the fire purifies. I'm sorry. This thing's been running in me for, for a while now. The fire purifies and just like Moses, 40 days purifying that ego out. And then 40 days purifying that sense of that God can never use me out. And God gets him with the fire to right where he needs to be so that he can use him for the next 40 years to do what he had always intended to use Moses for. That purifying that comes with a fire that cleanses us of our sin. And that's really the first step to being filled, you know, with the Holy Spirit is a recognition of our sin to know that we're just not quite there with God. I mean, do you, you realize that without Jesus, you're just not quite there. Actually, that's a little bit of being kind. Not being quite there, we're just not no, anywhere near there. And the more we pray and the more we seek to know our Creator, it's like God reveals to us more and more that part of us that is not pleasing to Him, that keeps us distant, distant from Him. And that's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing to know you have stuff to repent from because that's the fire pulling in and moving in on our hearts whether it's pride and ego or even self-hatred you know those of us who struggle with self-hatred and don't think we quite measure up that can turn into pride you know that don't you it's like well if I was just a little better that's even prideful it's like no Jesus is the one that's better and we are we're hidden in him and anything that's good is in him and he's invited us to live in him and through him and him in us and so the fire comes to purge that out of us and, and, and clean us out in a beautiful way. So embrace that fire. And the more you pray, the more time you spend with God, the more you see that in yourself. And that's a beautiful thing. I know it's painful, but it's a beautiful thing to see that need in our life as God purifies us and purifies us from our idols as God begins to show you what is first in your life. What's number one? When it's not him. Because there's always somebody or something on the throne of our life, always. And as we seek him, God begins to reveal to us whether it's himself or whether it's something else or somebody else. And then the fire comes, burns it, reacquaints us with the love of God, the love of Christ. Some of us wish that Jesus played a bigger role in our life. Like, you know, I come to church, I read the Bible sometime, and I do know that God loves me and all, but I just wish Jesus played a bigger role in my life. I wish I thought about him more often when I'm in conversations. 
you know what? The fire of God can burn out the stuff that will keep you from doing that. Again, Peter, Peter didn't have a problem talking. I will say that. He didn't have a problem opening his mouth. But God purified his conversations and how he had them through the fire, through the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and he burns out the dross and the things that would stop us and hinder us from being all that God intends for us to be. And secondly here, the fire impassions, impassions us. You know, a passionless people is a powerless people. <clears throat> Do you like passion? Do you like some passion in your life? I mean, do you want some passion? I don't say you have to be an extrovert, okay? That's not what this is about. But do you want something to burn in your heart so much so it gives you this reason, I guess this sense of, I know why I'm here. Something is in passion. You know, I posted a, a Twitter thing. I was surfing yesterday for about two or three hours, and my eyes are just destroyed from over 50 years of being in the ocean and the sun, and so they just turned blood red now uh, when I go out surfing and I thought you pay a price for anything you're passionate about the question is what are you going to be passionate about what, what are you going to give your life to what is worth giving your heart and your passion your emotions your desires to and the Holy Spirit has been given in order to impassion us to empower us to love Jesus at a whole different level than we've known maybe in church Maybe what we've heard, this is a very personal thing and corporate thing together. St. <clears throat> Augustine prayed this prayer, O oh, love ever burning and never extinguished, charity, my God, set me on fire. Amen. Set me on fire. Jesus knew that Peter and the disciples and the whole group gathered in that room didn't have a chance of changing the world without the Holy Spirit. He knew it. And we don't have a chance of seeing any change in our families or any change in our life or any change in this world outside of the holy fire of God burning in us. If you aren't passionate about Christ, I can tell you you're passionate about something. What a great inventory to do this morning for those of us who are followers of Christ to go, what is on the throne of my life right now? What is the fire of my life? What is it? Is it you, Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us as followers of Christ to be in, have a blazing love for him. 2 Peter 1 21, the last part of that verse says that men, and I'll say women, from God, as they were carried along by the Spirit, spoke. In other words, as the Spirit carried them along, they began to speak the words of the kingdom, began to speak about Jesus. And we, I don't know why I'm so shy with the gospel. I don't know why I'm so shy to pray with others. I don't know why. Listen, let's get ablaze with the fire of God. Let's get ablaze with the Holy Spirit. Let's let the Holy Spirit, the same one that fell on those disciples in that upper room and changed them in that moment and pushed them out into the streets of the world with the love of Jesus, let's let that same Holy Spirit fill our hearts and set us ablaze again. Simon Ponsambi, a, a theologian from England that I've really enjoyed reading a few of his books through this series, <laughs> said this, The Spirit-filled believer is rarely silent. 
He didn't mean he was a jerk. It didn't mean he overtaught. It didn't mean that, that he stepped on people's toes. It meant that he was ready or she was ready to speak the gospel, the good news of Christ at any moment, any time, because there was a fire burning deep inside of their souls. Peter was hesitant to step into that situation with Cornelius and the Roman soldiers, but the fire of God compelled him to do it. He went. God had to give him a vision to get him to get up and go because he didn't like Roman soldiers. Like we said last week, remember the last encounter with a Roman soldier and Peter? Cut the guy's ear off. Now God's using him, sending him into a Roman soldier's house and family to tell him about the love of Jesus. The difference a fire can make. Just 50 days. And around 1900, another, I love reading these old men and women of God who have blazed a trail and stood up in the midst of society and, and proclaimed Christ in such powerful ways back in the day when it really wasn't that popular. But Samuel Chadwick, a Wesleyan Methodist pastor, said this, When our fathers glowed with fires kindled in the soul, they gave vent to noise. The modern way is to be still. When the fire comes, there is a sound, just like in Acts 2, that others can see. I have to tell you, you know what a Myers-Briggs deal is? My personality type is an INTJ. Now, some of you are shaking your head. I knew it was like that, but, you know, an INTJ thinks he knows everything, all right? He absolutely thinks he knows everything. He's got it figured out. And uh, INTJs are not what you call the most... Uh, the most outward type people at times. They just aren't. I've had to work on it my whole life, you know, to, to not sit in a room and read a book all the time. And I, I love people. I love being around people now. But when the fire comes, it can change you. I'm not saying it's going to I'm still an INTJ after 30-some years, you know. Every time I take that test, it still comes back the same. I don't keep looking for some change. E, E, NTJ, please. And, uh, you know, it's INTJ. And, um, but we don't have to be restricted. We don't have to be confined by what people tell us we're like, especially when it comes to the good message of Jesus Christ. God will work within your personality type. He will bring the fire to your type of person, and he will have his way with you. He designed you the way you are. I mean, I, you, know, you have to embrace it after a while. You're like, okay, God, there's, you know, there's a gift in that INTJ, and so I just... I just embrace it, but then help me get beyond the things that restrict me from being able to be on fire for you. Empassion me. Empower me, Lord. And the gospel is the one thing. I mean, surfing, that's a lonely sport too at times, though. You can go out and surf by yourself. You can play music. I'm a musician. I can play music by myself. But the fire won't let you be by yourself. Because the fire has been given to the church for other than yourself. As we see what's happened in Acts 2. And so, let me just say to my fellow INTJs. And my fellow people, brothers and sisters who are like, it's very uncomfortable for me to talk to people. Let God just fill you with his presence. And fall in love with Jesus. To a whole other depth of your life. And watch what God does. He will give you a passion and he will burn in your life in such a way that, believe me, God will have his way. Charles Finney, who definitely had no problem getting in people's face, a lawyer back in the 1800s that God just apprehended, 
this is one of his quotes while he was sharing with some people. He got up to share, and here's what happened. The Spirit of God came upon me with such power that it was like opening up a battery. And he means a row of cannons. This was a long time ago. Opening up a battery of cannons upon them, the people he was speaking to. For more than an hour, the Word of God came through me to them like a manner that I could see was carrying all before it. It was a fire. And as a hammer breaking upon the rock, and as a sword that was piercing to the dividing soul and spirit. The fire of God. Because at the heart of all of this is God's love and concern for the nations. And he needs a people who are afire with his presence and his love to be able to reach the nations and to go and do. I read a quote the other day that says, Don't pray, come Holy Spirit, unless you're willing to go with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And we in the vineyard pray, come Holy Spirit, all the time. And we should be hearing, I'll come if you'll go. Because once I do come upon you and I put this fire in your heart, it'll be burning such that you'll have to go. Even if it's back to your family, back to your work, back to your friends, back to your church, back to those you come in contact with, you must go when the fire is burning. You have to. And we need the fire. We need the fire here at Seacoast Vineyard in this church. So the fire, the Holy Spirit purifies, it impassions, it empowers us. And your last one there is the fire attracts. And I started today talking about a fire, how people just are attracted to a fire. You just want to walk up on it. You can't, you ever notice how you just kind of stare? You, you, you build a fire, people kind of become zombies. They're like, especially when you first build it, right? Like, I mean, what are you looking at? We don't know. We don't know. All we know is we, we just have to look at it. We, we can't, we don't quite understand it, but then after a while you think, why am I so mesmerized by this? And then you start noticing the hues and the colors and the crackling of the wood and you start noticing the ambiance and the different smells and you just, all of this suddenly begins to capture you. The fire attracts. The question is, are we willing to burn for the sake of others? For the sake of others, are you willing to pray that prayer and say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your fires for the sake of others. Not just for me for an experience, but for the sake of others. Will you burn in me, God? Will you burn in me? Sounded like over the rainbow. Why did the people gather around Peter and the 120 whenever that fire and that wind came? And, you know, it wasn't tongues of fire. It said it looked like tongues of fire. You get this? They didn't know how to describe it. So we get these drawings. We have all this artwork. You know, it shows these tongues of fire. And we think, boy, that was freaky. That was awesome. Look at that fire. They, I don't know what it was. It was like a wind, like a rushing mighty wind, like a violent wind. It was like tongues of fire. It was something they couldn't describe. So they gathered, you know, they just... Luke grabbed the best words he could, and he said, whatever was going on in these people, this is what it looked like. It looked like they were afire. It looked like they were lit up and burning. And so we have this bunch hunkered in the bunker, you know, in the upper room. Jesus has sent them to their room, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And then suddenly this fire falls on them, and the wind of the Spirit comes, and I read over and over again trying to get a picture of how they got from the upper room out to the outside where all of these thousands of people could hear them. And I, I couldn't see it in there. We didn't get that information. 
But somehow in the process of them praying and the Lord coming on them that way, people heard it and then somehow it spilled out into the streets. I mean, what a beautiful picture. Because the fire just burns, doesn't it? I mean, it starts burning. It starts going into the street and people see it and people are attracted to it and people want to talk to you about it. What is that fire in your eyes? What is that fire in your heart? What is going on with you? What has touched your life to such a point? And they just want to come around and stand around you. And they want to know what's going on. And we don't need to create that. I just want to tell you that. Remember I told you flapping wings last week? Pentecostals are over here. And when the wind doesn't blow and the fire doesn't come, they flap their wings to create some wind. Yeah, there's some wind. There's some wind. But then we conservative Christians are over here. And when the wind starts blowing, we close the hurricane shutters, lock the door, turn the lights off. No, no, no. No, we just want the wind to come. We want the fire to come. We want to let the Lord do whatever he wants to do in us. Let it come. Let it come. Soren Kierkegaard, uh, Danish philosopher all the way back in the 1800s, said this about Christianity. Christianity is incendiarism. Christianity is fire setting. A Christian is a person set on fire. Set on fire. And John Wesley, which is, this is, kind of humorous he said uh, catch on fire and people will come and watch you burn (laughs) he said that about himself and again I don't want people who any of my friends here who you tend to be more quiet and reserved to think well that means I have to become an extrovert no you don't all you have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and give you the fire of God and let him do what he does okay Let him do what he does because he will put a warmth in you that is attractional to other people. (laughs) Yes, Lord, I felt that. All right, that's right. That's right. I'm getting ready to catch on fire. Have you seen me burn in a few minutes? (laughs) I had water up here a few weeks ago with all this electricity. I was like, no, you missed it by two weeks. Okay. Matthew 5, 14 through 15, Jesus says this about his church. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So the Holy Spirit, as fire purifies, it impassions, and it attracts. Do any of us here need the fire of the Holy Spirit? You know, I do. I need it. I need it. Charles Wesley, John's brother, John Wesley's brother who wrote the hymns, wrote this beautiful song. O thou who camest from above, the pure celestial fire to impart, kindle a flame of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart. There let it be for thy glory burn with inextinguishable blaze and trembling to its source return in humble prayer and fervent praise. Jesus, confirm my heart's desire to work and speak, speak, and think for thee, still let me guard the holy fire and still stir up thy gift in me. You think we could pray that together this morning? Let's stand. Jesus. Jesus, we're gathered here today and we're All of us brought things in here with concerns. Some of us are still seeking to know you. We want to know you and maybe haven't stepped across the line yet. And 
And so I pray for, the, for, for my friends that are like that today, that they would see there is a holy fire that has been offered to them, that is found in Jesus, in you, Lord. And they would step across the line, respond to that drafting, that wooing, that pulling that's in their heart. They, you know, my friend, you know if God is doing that in you right now. I don't have to convince you. You know it if God is doing that. He is asking for you to respond and say, yes, I believe. And then we would invite you to just come and journey with us because we're on this journey to discover what it means to follow him. That's what church is. It's a group of people following Jesus growing up in Jesus, and going out with Jesus. That's our desire here. So I just, for a moment here, want to say, is there anybody here you're like, yeah, that's me, Tim. Today's my day. Today's the day when I say, yep, okay, God. I'm going to step across the line, and I'm going to begin to follow you. Can you just let me know that's you? Just kind of stick your hand up and let me know. I just want to pray for you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Just say yes, my friends, uh, four or five of you that raised your hand there. If you would just say, yes, Lord, I receive you. I receive you, Lord. I believe you are who you said you are, the one and only Son of God, perfect and pure, came and gave your life for me so that I could be forgiven and reconnected to my Creator. And if we could pray this prayer, Tracy, if you could put it up there again, this Charles Wesley, could we pray this together and we're going to go back into worship? Here we go. Ready? Oh, thou who camest from above, the pure celestial fire to impart, kindle a flame of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart. There let it be for thy glory burn with inextinguishable blaze. And trembling to its source return in humble prayer and fervent praise. Jesus, confirm my heart's desire to work and speak and think for thee. Still let me guard the holy fire and still stir up thy gift in me. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.